mm. think so, so much. Mm. I sense that last song we need to practice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we really knew where we were going, did we? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was heartfelt. <laughs> it was a brave attempt. A brave attempt. <laughs> oh, morning, everybody. Morning. morning. Um, my uh, theme this morning, if I had to have a strap line, would be um, um, all about identity. All about identity. I'm not going to read it yet, but if you've got your Bibles, turn to Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. But this morning I'm looking one of the, one of, one of the great titles of, of Jesus Christ. Um, the Son of Man. The Son of Man. What a title that is. And he made that claim for himself in the Gospels over 80 times. And as I was looking at this over the last few days, I was, I was thinking about which one was my favourite, and there are so many that I thought, probably the one that speaks most to me would be when Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. I love that. Came to seek and save that which was lost. So what does the term Son of Man mean, and uh, what does it refer to? Well, the Son of Man is more than just a title. It's a picture of the character of the Son of God who gave up his heavenly home and emptied himself to become obedient and obedient to death on the cross. He was prepared to live and die for crimes he didn't commit so he could become the perfect sacrifice for us. It's a picture of God in Christ totally identifying with humanity. The Son of Man. A total picture and identification with humanity. The Son of Man really means Jesus shares our humanity. He's come right into the very mix of the human experience. God in the flesh. Most other faiths oppose it, don't they? Vehemently. Uh, Christian cults dis dispute the fact that Jesus was ever God. But the truth is, God came in the flesh. Jesus Christ, the Son of Man. Jesus Christ was clothed in the very garb of humanity. What unfathomable love that is when you really sit and consider it or think about it. He came to seek us out. Isn't it amazing that God should take on himself the frailty and the limitations of man? The very one who spoke the oceans into existence became the man who asked an outcast for a drink because I'm thirsty. There is nothing he doesn't know about being human. And when I thought about that, I thought it's a funny old thing, isn't it, being human? Um, I mean, we've known nothing else, have we? we no, this is, our, this is our experience. Um, I mean, where was I? Where were you a thousand years ago? We don't know. Where will we be in a thousand years' time? We have hope, but we don't know. Well, we know, but we don't know now. Um, <laughs> But you know what I mean. Um, all I know is the last 57 years, I know you can't quite believe that. Yeah, All I know is the last 57 years have led me to this point now. The great journey of life. And I, and I thought, it's funny, isn't it? I spent most of my childhood growing up at the bottom of Southwood Road, so I haven't travelled far. <laughs> um, so, but it's the great journey of life. And, you know, however I feel, however wonderful I feel about faith, and, oh, you know, I know the Lord, I'm saved, and I'm going to heaven and all this, I know that I'm going to cling on to this with my fingertips, you know, right to the very end. Because this is all we've known. This is our experience, isn't it? Life is an amazing experience. I, the old cliche, I wouldn't have missed it for the world. 
Good times, sad times, difficult times, all part of the great rich tapestry of life. Um, you know, all those sort of things that we can, can contend with and compete with. All the beautiful things that we see, I was thinking about it the other day, you think of the wonderful things you see. Things that we take for common, commonplace things really, but wonderful, so I was on the beach early the other morning, beautiful sunrise. Goodness me, there's so much to, to enjoy in life. And then there's the, um, uh, the change as we get older. God, horrible. Um, you know, as we start to change and we start to see this body change. Oh, goodness. But for me, the greatest day, the greatest day, the greatest day for me in all my life, about 32 years ago, was when I discovered my true identity in Christ. Um, when Christ became real to me. And it has to be true because I put, I, I've, I've believed it for 32 years. And as I've gone on in faith, that sort of, the, you know, as you build up, those sort of embellishments of faith as you go, I, I, I would say more than ever, I believe it to be true. Um, with him being prepared to walk and identify with me in my humanity means that I am forever linked with him in his divinity. I am saved. Before I became a Christian, I always knew, I always sort of sensed that I believed in a God. Um, he was up there, I was here. Um, um, I, I would have thought that God was perfect, light, perfection itself. That's how I, how I saw God. He was big, I was puny. Um, he was light, I was darkness. I was, well, you wouldn't really not want to know what I was like, but, you know, I was, I was like that, really, as a, as a young chap. There was this great sort of divide. Who on earth could step into that breach to, 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 to bring God and me together? And um, it made me think of Job. Most scholars tend to think Job was the very first uh, book in Scripture. And he had this same experience, for he says here, for he is not a man as I am that I may answer him, and that we should go to, count, to court together. Nor is there any mediator between us who may lay his hand on us both. What a picture that is. He was crying out for someone that could mediate between him and God, that could have a part in both. And God did answer Job's prayer. Christ is the perfect mediator. He's the one that lays his hands on us both. I love what Jesus could say to doubting Thomas. Handle me and see. Handle me and see. How intimate we can be with God. The God that is out there can be handled and seen. Wow. Can you say that? Do you dare let people get close enough to see your strengths and your weaknesses and your vulnerabilities? Do you allow people in? If we are the church, we must let people in. We must be able to identify with people out there and not stand aloof from it. We must be a people that, are, that get out there and allow others to handle and, and see us. That means taking off the mask and getting rid of that religious facade that hides our struggles and saying to each other, handle me and see I'm real, I am only human. I struggle, I struggle with the kids, I battle with my temper, I worry about the bills, I don't read the Bible and pray as I should. I'm, I'm all those things and so much more. But because of Christ identifying himself with me, he's made me a different person and he's put my life on a different footing. That's how simple faith is, but it works and that would be my Christian experience. The struggle, but the joy, the peace that goes with the struggle.
But because of Christ identifying himself with me, he's made me different in my life. Regardless of my problems and issues, my life in Christ is being built on a firm foundation. But it can be a slow process. It's amazing these days what people will identify themselves uh, with to, to be accepted. Some go to great lengths, don't they, uh, to identify themselves with so many things out there. We might like wearing uh, designer clothes or, or driving a certain car. Some think it's their looks and they opt for a bit of surgery or whatever it might be. Some identify themselves by their, their profession or their trade. There was the man that went to the psychiatrist with a severe identity crisis. Doctor, doctor, I'm convinced I'm a dog. Well, how long have you had this problem, sir? Um, he bluntly answered, well, ever since I was a puppy. <laughs> uh, not as good as yours, Alan, are <laughs> um, The truth is our true identity can only ever be found in Christ. Did you see the other week on the news that the story of that woman um, who snatched that baby at birth from the hospital? Um, 18 years later, that was discovered that that child's identity was stolen at birth. What a thing. But that child grew to love that woman and had accepted her as her mum. So what a, what a turmoil for her. What an awful, awful situation. But her identity was snatched away. And that, is, that in a sense, has been our experience, isn't it? Our true identity in God was snatched away in the Garden of Eden. Because of Satan's deception, because of the fall and rebe rebellion, we know, we've grown up knowing and following the father of lies, not the God of heaven. But when we believe in the Son of Man who came to seek and save that which was lost, we discover our true identity. When we believe in Christ, God starts to recover our true identity. Within each of us exists the image of God. Ecclesiastes said God has put eternity in the hearts of men. We weren't born to die. We, were, we are eternal beings. But it's only when we discover that true identity that we get onto the right track. However disfigured and corrupted by sin we may presently be, Christ is able to recover that image through grace. Through grace meaning unmerited favour. <clears throat> As we conform to Christ by faith and by belief. Paul Bottom, sorry, Paul Bottom lined his identity like this. Christ lives in me. Then he added, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. With the life of Christ flowing through you, there's nothing you can't overcome. There's nothing. Um, you are totally forgiven. You're fully accepted. You're deeply loved. And you're daily empowered by the Spirit to be about the, the good works of God. If the Son of Man was prepared to totally identify himself with us, it stands to reason we should be prepared to totally identify ourselves with him. <clears throat> I've rescued you, you rescue other people. From darkness, from slavery, from addiction, from oppression, from loneliness, from that life of I am. Preach the gospel, help others realise the only identity that really matters is the one hidden in me. Go out, seek and save those which are lost at this time. <coughs> So why did Jesus use the title Son of Man? It's a tremendous title. The Jews would have been fully aware of its significance. It was a claim to be the, the expected Messiah. And the Jews despised him because of it. 
And in Daniel, we read this, these lovely verses here. I, I love Daniel. He's my favourite character in the Old Testament. He wasn't a professional. He was a layman. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a prophet. He was, he was, he was a man beloved by God. He set himself apart from others and he kept his integrity for 70 years in captivity in Babylon. He served God with steadfast devotion. And he became a great interpreter of dreams. He had great panoramic visions of world history. His book ranks alongside the book of Revelation as the book of great insight concerning future events. Much yet to be fulfilled at this time. And here, before these verses, he's just witnessed the rise, he was living in one, but he's witnessed the rise of four great ancient empires. He was in Babylon, he saw Medo-Persia, he saw Greece, he then saw Rome, and he saw this magnificent panoramic view of all these empires that were before him. And then he looks, and he has this wonderful vision. In um, uh, Daniel 7, 9. I watched till thrones were put in place. And the Ancient of Days was seated. This was God. And he was seeing God in judgment. Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow. And the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame. Its wheels of burning fire. A fiery steam issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. A little bit further on. I watched and in night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all people's nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed." what words they are. He sees God sitting there in judgment. Books are opened. And there on the right hand of God the Father, Daniel sees the Son of God, like the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. And, and, and he sees this sense of the, 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 the dominion for Jesus being ushered in, this everlasting dominion and kingdom. What a picture that is. And as he looked, I love the way Daniel says, one like the Son of Man, and it's almost as if Daniel could see the human face, the human identity of God as he looked. That God would have mankind, sorry, that God would have dealings with mankind in Christ. What a picture that is. One like, and this was hundreds of years before, but it hasn't happened yet, but one like the Son of Man. And yet he was sort of somehow seeing an identification with humanity in this divine personality. What a picture of Christ that is. Jesus, uh, David said, didn't he, in the Psalms before Daniel saw this? And Jesus quoted it of himself. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. That famous psalm. And that's a picture of this, isn't it? Jesus seated at the right hand of God the Father. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Yes, it is as you say, but I tell all of you, in the future, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One, coming on the clouds of heaven. Here, Jesus was telling him exactly what Daniel was saying. This is still yet to be fulfilled at the second advent. It's only Christ 
that has total identification with man and Christ that has total identification with God. He can lay his hands on both of us. What a picture that is, the great mediator. Christ was the infinite who became the intimate. Handle me and see the divine sovereign who became the human sacrifice. And just to finish with, 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for many. Amen.